Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Row, row, row your boat gently down row, the stream. Row, you row, came in way too boat. late. You came in too late. You've ruined it. You've ruined it's everything. <laughs> It's it's the ruler of the world vintage baseball podcast talking to vintage baseball players coast coast border border and we do we talk a lot of California we talk a lot of Arizona we talk a lot of uh, last week it was uh, where in the hell were we last week uh, anyway Illinois Illinois oh we got to hit Illinois up more and uh, back to the East Coast uh, and then we're going to be in Michigan for a bit after this so sorry Rudy. And uh, <laughs> let me bring in uh, my friend, my partner, my muse, Rudy Swamp Fox Frias. Rudy, hi. <laughs> hi, buddy. It's good to see you. <laughs> you totally ruined Row, Row, Row Your Boat. No, I nailed it. The <laughs> echo. I, I do it all the time. Would you believe that I set you up to fail no matter what you say? Yeah, yes, 100%. I already knew that was happening. Oh, good times. We had something more and more uh, in detail prepared for the opening today, but actually it wasn't prepared, and that's why you didn't hear it. So maybe in the future. <laughs> uh, Rudy, Vintage Baseball got has gotten off to a little bit of a start here with some teams trying to throw in some games uh, in the end of March, beginning of April. You fools! And of course, they're all being canceled because of the terrible weather. Yeah. <laughs> but in uh, Major League Baseball, getting its start. Um, let's uh, before we bring in our guests from the Saugerties uh, Vintage Baseball Club of New York. Rudy, did you go to the VBBA conference? I did not. I was there in spirit. I didn't get it. I didn't get to make it this time. Well, the last time we talked about it, you were on the fence. Because somebody wanted to go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I wanted to go. Um, I could not uh, get away. I mean, honestly, it was WrestleMania weekend, so I had to watch WrestleMania. And no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I am not joking. Commitment. I watched WrestleMania both nights. Did you? Yeah, me too. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Saturday was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Javi really got into the Dominic and Rey Mysterio match, which was concerning, but. He was on Ray's side. Okay, so. here we go. So we're not going to bore everybody with WrestleMania talk. We're here to talk about finish <laughs> baseball. But at the end of our Scott Martino interview that will happen after the warm-up with Saugerties, uh, we will get into WrestleMania if you want to stick around for that. <clears throat> so, uh uh, another new segment that's going to be coming out in the future. I, I think I sent Rudy something about this, but uh, the, the boys from Hanford, the ball and bat, company are going to be giving scores of what happened in over the weekend and maybe uh a quick description of the of the the game's events maybe mm -hmm. uh the star of the game or whatever so you will uh be sending all of your club game info to mike feeney and uh rob stoltz at Hanford the the website is the Hanford Ball Company or something I don't know you'll find it and uh, you can find us on there too you can also find us on Pod, Podbean you can find us on the Twitter which 
we've decided to make more active. You can find us on the Instagram. You can find us on the Facebooks. You you can come find us at the Flat Rock Invitational in May, weather permitting. Uh, that's enough of that nonsense. Rudy, you got anything to add before we bring in our guests? Nope. Let's get to it. Can't wait to meet these guys. Rudy, introduce them, would you? Do it! <laughs> Uh, from, uh, the, the newly formed, help me with, I, cause I wanted to say, I almost said Socrates, uh, barrel roller and I apologize. Theater. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have with us Will Quigley and Bobby Levine. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Roller Out the Barrel Show. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing good. Do, do me a favor, help, help out the listeners who are dumb like me. One more time, what is the name of the club that you are forming? What have, have formed? It's the Socrates Vintage Baseball Club. Welcome hey, to the party, time. pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Sorry, I had to thanks, play that. Uh, uh, necessary. <laughs> uh, sorry, I feel like I interrupted. Can you please continue, Rudy. Did you? Volume's different. I apologize. Uh, but no, uh, guys, it's so good to, to, to meet you. I'm excited to hear about you. Uh, you're stepping your toes into the vintage baseball community and starting it off right. So um, let's let's just get into it. Um, how did vintage baseball come into your lives? I, let's take it. Let's hear from Will first. So uh, a couple of years ago, um, my son started playing Little League and I hadn't played since Little League. Um and I kind of got the bug watching him play. It was exciting. And I loved it. And I didn't want to play softball. There's a lot of softball in this area. Um, and one day I was on the internet and I saw an ad for, I think it was the Mountain Athletic Club in Fleischmann's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? And, you know, it's guys, no gloves, no helmets, wearing old time uniforms. And I was like, you know, is this an actual team? So I started looking into it. And I saw that there was a couple other teams in Delaware County. And then I found out that Kingston, which is a neighboring town, um, was forming a team. So I reached out to them and they let me come to practice. And I ended up playing a couple games with them. And that was it. I was like, Saugerties needs a team. <laughs> so we're doing it. Hi. Uh, William, you do not currently have a vintage baseball name. Now, I just want you to know that that's, uh, it's historically accurate for you to not have a nickname, but it's also socially um, wrong. <laughs> so you can go either way. You're not wrong. Either way you go. Uh, we're going to work on a nickname uh, when we learn more about you. Let's bring in Bobby. Bobby, you uh, you came across vintage baseball and how? Bobby. Can you guys see me or no? Bobby, I no, can't. Get, I can't see you, Bobby. We can't see you. I can't see you, Bobby. I can hear you. I hear you. Is this no? this is a Kevin Mensch situation? This is a Kevin Mensch situation. <laughs> we have another Kevin Mensch. We can't see you, but it's okay because uh, uh, the people on the podcast will be able to hear you. So the the YouTubers. Oh, you know, that traffic is slow, so it's not that big of a deal right now. <laughs> it's slow right now. It'll pick up. <laughs> It'll always pick up. Bobby, uh, here's what you got to do what Kevin Mensch did is just answer the questions, keep working on your video, and get it to work right at the end of the show, okay? <laughs> um, so 
so basically, yeah, Will and I have been friends for, I don't know, since 2005, 2006. And um, I played baseball my whole life. And then um, kind of, you know, Will, like I said, Will mentioned that he had played last year, uh, talked a lot about it, and uh, he wanted to do it. And so I, I kind of jumped on board. Bobby, you got a nickname. It's Beantown. Uh, you obviously have some vintage baseball in your past. What clubs were you uh, suiting up for? Well, no, I just played. I played Lily all to high school, uh, a little bit after high school. Uh, but Beantown comes from, uh, I was born in Rhode Island and um, just a diehard Boston sports fan, Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots. So Beantown's basically another name for, for the city of Boston. Yes, it is, but you're from Delaware. I'm going to have to ask you to stop using that. Uh, you have to do the, I don't know if you're familiar because Rudy and I are old. I'm way old. Uh, from Wayne's World, hi, I'm from Delaware. You, that's, your from nick, Delaware. that's your nickname. Yeah. Can't do that. Uh, Bobby, you, you just said you've been friends with William since like 2005, 2006, and you haven't given him a nickname? Or are there nicknames no, that he just won't nothing, take? Nothing that's, appropriate. nothing that's really appropriate for the call. Well, that's all right. We're a family show. But, uh, yeah. But we teach our families to swear. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, William, are you the captain of the club? Yeah, so me and Bobby are co-captains. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I got two questions for you. Then we'll start with William. Please explain the home field you guys found for your matches. So the first year we're going to use Lorenz Field, which is in um, a bigger complex called Cantine Field, Cantine Memorial Complex. Um, it's a Babe Ruth field. Uh, you know, your basic field. That's pretty much it. Bobby, your video just came on. We can see you. You got the – You yeah, got, got the, like a little link top. You got the plaid shirt, you got the beard, you got the Boston Red Sox hat. I would say you can keep the, the name Beantown. Bobby, can you explain to us uh, the uniforms that you guys uh, decided to go with, what you're going to look like in your first season? Um, well, Will basically kind of created those, um, and his wife did a lot of the work. Um, our hats logos um so we kind of we kind of want to be different so like i think we're the only team around um correct from wrong that has like that dark black uh uniform and um you know we kind of took the socks you know we looked at the socks some of the teams rock the same socks that we do um and so basically yes on it we want to keep it you know kind of simple classy um, dark, I guess you could say. And um, like I said, we don't really have a team nickname yet. And we're just stories. So it's kind of like, you know, the S on it. We want, really wanted the S to pop. So we kept, kind of kept everything black. A little bit of white accents on everything. So I've seen the, uh, the uniforms. <clears throat> and they look sharp. I'm concerned about the black in the middle of the summer. But if you guys are cool with it, then yeah. everybody else should be cool with it. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, you, a secret about it, it's it's, uh, it's just cotton, so it's not that wool blend. So it'll actually probably be a little uh, cooler than some of the other uniforms. Oh, nice. Right. My war for Kingston was uh, was pretty hot last year. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I think this will be a little later. So how did you guys uh, come across scheduling, the ease of scheduling this in your inaugural season coming up? Uh, I'm going to pull up your schedule here in a second, but were you having issues as a new club getting guys, uh, teams to put you on their schedule? So we've partnered a lot with uh, with the three teams in Delaware County. So um, Nick from Bovina, he's been a big help. Um, Colin from the Mountain Athletic Club and then Andrews from the Delhi Polecats. Um, so they kind of, you know, they've, they've been supporting us and yeah, it was a little bit of a nightmare to try to set it all up. Um, you know, when we had our first call, I know a lot of those teams already had, um, some games established and we kind of had to make it work with what we had. And then, um, we're going to have a couple games against Kingston. So yeah, I mean, it was a little bit difficult, but I think with the support of the other teams, we got through yeah. Yeah, Colin and Nick are pretty solid dudes and past guests. Totally. So if you go on the Roller Out the Barrel archives, you Already can check listened. out some episodes with those two gentlemen. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. Rudy, you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we've come across Andrew from the Delphi Polecats name a couple of times. I would guarantee you if he's willing that he will make an appearance this season by the end of it. Uh, you know, I went to your Facebook page. I don't see your schedule. Did you guys release that schedule? Yeah, it should be pinned on there, I think. It should be maybe at the top. I can run down it if you want me to. I'm I'm, I'm interested in uh, the events that you guys were able to slither your way into. Not just not the single games, but the uh, the events you actually got yourself on. The Pigeon Bennett? The Pigeon Pennant. I was about to bring that up. Yeah, talk about that. That's exciting. So um, not a lot of people know this, but Saugerties, um was the residence of Frank Pigeon Sr., who was on the Eckford Baseball Club of Brooklyn in the 1850s. Um, and he retired and moved to Saugerties. He bought a house on the river. Um, he was a pretty prominent figure in Saugerties at the time. And he had a son, Frank Pigeon Jr., who um, he was a pretty prominent figure when it came to the Saugerties Ulsters Baseball Club, which was the team in Saugerties in the 1870s and 1880s. They actually helped build and work on the Kirstead House, which is where our historical society is now housed on Main Street. And Frank Pigeon is buried here um, right on Main Street. And uh, so we decided to honor him and the family. And we're going to do the Pigeon Pennant. It's going to have um, us along with the Kingston Guards, the Westfield Wheelmen, and the Bovina Dairymen. We're going to have two fields, and I think we're going to do like six games that day. Uh, yep, that's uh, Saturday, August 26th. I found it on their website. Naturally, that's where you should go is the SaugertiesVBBC.org uh, to follow their club. They also have the Cowtown Scramble. Uh, coming up at the end of September, weather permitting. Uh, it does look like you've had to start small. It's very smart, by the way. Very smart. New clubs, uh, much much like new business owners, their eyes get much bigger than their wallets, so to speak, and they go out there and schedule 25 matches, and then uh, everybody on the club's like, what the hell are you doing? I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then you chase everyone away. Uh, so your schedule looks good. I assume you have, you know, you're going to go through the process of building up respect and, uh, you'll be seeing different teams on that schedule in the years to come. Uh, but for a, for a first year, this is, uh, 
This is very good what you've done. In the off, uh, because there are oh, only about seven, six, six dates, are you two mm-hmm. gentlemen going to barnstorm with some other clubs during the season, or are you limiting yourselves to just the six? So I right now am going to help um, Bovina. They have a game in Long Island, I think, um, the beginning of May. That's what I have scheduled right now. Um, I may also play some games with Kingston. I'm not sure um, how their schedule matches up with ours with the games that we aren't playing against them, but um, can't speak for Bobby. Yeah, I mean, same with Will. Like, um, I'm just going to kind of tag along with Will. If he needs help, the other teams need help. I'll definitely want to Will. Um, just to kind of get our name out there, exposure. Um, you know, I think that's the easiest way to network. It's it, and it's a solid way because not only do you stay fresh in between the dates, which I admire. I like how you spread out your. You got a May date, a June date, July, August. That's super smart. And then filling in will absolutely a- allow you to network. I mean, you're going to meet some really great. You're already off to a great start. You 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 pretty much know the right people and have made connections with the right people. So that's a. I'm really excited for y'all. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, I'm uh, Bobby. I got a question for you. I'm heading out yeah. to uh, Boston for the the Rocky Point um, date, uh, the weekend events, of vintage baseball. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Rocky Point. You probably are. You've probably heard of it. And um, August. Yeah. And uh, so, but I'm taking a week's vacation with my wife. So we're actually going to be in Boston for a week and we're going to go to a Red Sox game the first day we're in town, which is Sunday. I want to say August 13th because it's the mighty, mighty Detroit Tigers coming to town, Bobby. And um, (laughs) so I want to know as I'm getting ready to buy my tickets here very soon to that game, where do I need to sit for a guy who's never been to Fenway, wants to sit in the best place to experience experience Fenway. Where do I need to be buying these tickets for? Um, I would just suggest whenever you get tickets, um, because it's such an old stadium, there's a lot of support pillars. So if you go on to like a lot of the websites like SeatGeek now, it'll show you the view because there's a lot, there is so many of the um, literally metal uh, frame like pillars and they'll sell the tickets. Literally, it'll be right in front of you, but they'll sell the ticket anyway. Uh, as a de- so life, get- as a lifelong Detroit Tiger fan, I'm very familiar with the steel pillars. Uh, <laughs> Tiger yeah. Stadium had them everywhere uh, because they built the second level oh. on top of the first level uh, many years after it was built. So, lots of uh, I missed a home run because of one of those damn pillars once, and I'll never do it again. But yeah. when I'm walking around. Uh, Fenway Park, taking in the Fenway experience, what are a couple of things that I have to do? Um, you could you could do it. You could schedule it ahead of time. It's not done every day, but you can do an actual tour of the stadium. They take you actually behind the Green Monster. Um, you could do that. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of history. It's a small stadium. Um, the biggest thing is right outside of the stadium. Um, all the shops gift shops and a lot of memorabilia and there's a lot of players usually past players that'll that'll show up for like free autograph sessions um they'll sign like you know pictures they don't charge anything um 
but it, it's a small stadium. And it's the, the outside that you don't really know it's a stadium because they're kind of walking right by it. A lot of history. Are they going to let me over to sign the pesky pole even if I'm not seating in the area? If you get there early enough, yeah. It's a risk, especially if you're wearing, like, Detroit stuff. Oh, I'm wearing it. No, don't don't yeah. don't misunderstand. I'm going to be I'm going to buy a lot of Boston Red Sox stuff that day because yeah. I do that's what I do, but I'll be wearing Detroit Tiger stuff and I'll be very loud and proud as we lose eight to three. Yeah. <sighs> William, uh can you give everybody a little bit of an outlay of the town of Saugerties as I've never heard of it before. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the town? Yeah, so uh, it's a small town. Um, I think we're about 45 minutes south of Albany. Um, it's famous for being the site of Woodstock 94. Um, it's just a basic small town. Oh, so it's not there anymore. I mean, they wiped <laughs> that sucker off the mat, right? I mean, no, that was, was 99. <laughs> oh, that, that was 99. Oh, okay. You're thinking of Limp Bizkit, Bizkit <laughs> 99. Yeah. I'm thinking so, about the documentary I just watched on Netflix a couple yeah, of no. months ago. So this is 94. Well, I never heard of it. So it must. who is the headlining yeah. act of Woodstock 94? Uh, Metallica. Um, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Nine Inch Nails. Good stuff. I was 12 years old. So good memory. Yeah. Yeah, Rudy, how old were you in 1994? Uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere around the same age. That's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> William, uh, you said that you got the itch to play baseball again while you were watching your son's little league game. Once you suited up and got on that field with those little league players, how do you fare against them? Well, I didn't play with the league. Come on. <laughs> you should have said like 178 home runs that season. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what year are you guys uh, mainly sticking to for, for the uh, rule set? So I think we're going to do 1864, 1865, and 1895. Oh. What are the differences between 64 and 65? As far as I know, the only difference is there's no more um, catching it on the bounce. So everything is on the fly, except if it's a foul ball. So a foul ball can still be an out on the bounce. So as far as 95 goes, I just recently, as of last year, got exposed to 84, and we've talked to some 84 a lot of 84 players on the podcast we did talk to some west coast 86 players 95 uh can you tell us uh the difference between the mid 80s and the mid 90s in the rule sets not without looking right right away that's good (laughs) that's fine i just i was just curious off the top of your head no i'm not this isn't a test uh do you do you have a catcher? We do. We have a couple of catchers, yes. And how big is the catcher's glove in 1895? Bobby, how big would you say that glove is that we're going to use? Um, I'm not sure. It, it's, it's like an oven mitt. I was about to say, that you just took some, I was like, is it, I think we're talking about like that oven mitt, yeah. uh, like really large mitten. 
It's yeah, the Sheila Joe, like, 1912 edition glove, the yeah. reproduction. But we also have a couple of vintage gloves that I think are from, like, the 30s and 40s that would fit the requirements. Yeah. So, once again, you can go yeah. to the Sauger Tees uh, website. That's Sauger Tees, S-A-U-G-E-R-T-I-E-S, vbbc.org. Uh, that is their official website. You'll see their uniform right at the top. It is sharp. It is black with a black shield with the very uh, op- optically pleasing S in the middle of the shield. You can see it a mile away. And then they have these gold buttons around it. It looks amazing. Uh, are we going white pants and, and black knee-high socks with this? Doing black pants with uh, black socks yeah. with, uh, with white stripes. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's better than what I thought. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and they are the Saugerties, uh Vintage Baseball Club. Uh, Rudy, do you have any more questions for these gentlemen before we uh, release them back to their lives as they prepare for their inaugural season? The first game for Saugerties is uh, Saturday, May 20th against the the Delhi Polecats in Hamden. Uh, that's a good way to start off a, a career of a, of a club. Rudy, do you have any questions? I, I don't have anything. Fellas, it was a pleasure to meet you. I'm, I'm always excited to see new, cl- new clubs popping up, and I, I really wish you all the best of luck this season and, and a prosperous season and, and forward to many more. So best of luck to you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you guys you. for joining us. You were great. Yeah, Good we luck on the season. It. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. And uh, so as we transition, you know what time it is right now, don't you, Rudy? I do. I do. I do. It's my favorite part. Little hands says it's time to rock and roll. is your Roller Out the Barrel News Break for Sunday, July 7th, 1867. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline, Philadelphia. The great game of baseball, played for recreation and innocent amusement, is in full swing. The Athletic Baseball Club of Philadelphia took on the Atlantic Baseball Club of Trenton, New Jersey. With many faithful spectators in attendance at the grounds of New Jersey's capital, the teams appeared evenly matched. Then the game started. The Athletics scored 32 runs in the first four innings and never looked back. Final score, Athletic Club 66, Atlantics 8. In other game news, the Keystone Baseball Club defeated the Quaker City Club 42-37 in a five-hour game, while the Geary Baseball Club beat the Star Baseball Club 34-18. For anyone looking for some not-so-innocent amusement, the Reverend Dr. Landis will be giving his sermon on... When a woman is a fool, this evening at the corner of 13th and Girard <laughs> Avenue. The length of the lecture isn't known quite yet, but one member of the fair sex said that she hoped she would only have to look at his face for another 15 to 20 minutes. In other news, James Wolbert received serious burns after a friend put a lit pack of firecrackers into his pocket as a joke. The attempt at humor between friends seemed to backfire as Wolbert was heard to remark, I don't like you because you're going to get me killed. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break.
Oh, Jonathan McLean. You know, the, the best part about that is uh, the gentleman who does it. I don't know if he wants to be known or not, so we don't we don't say who that is. Uh, it's no, John, it's a secret for us. It's Jonathan Macklin, but, or McLean. Uh, there's a lot of Die Hard and Bruce Willis Easter eggs in those, and he does that for us. Uh, you guys don't get those mostly, but we do, and we love them. But I will say, the information he's giving you, that's accurate. He's not making that stuff up. So when you hear a score of a game from that date, uh, this gentleman is all about the history, and he would not come on here with false, be giving you false information. So that's just something you you uh, you should know, and I fully appreciate that segment. And who knows how long it's going to go, but it just lasted one more week, and uh, I'm all a giddy. When he stops doing it, we're just going to replay. <laughs> we're just going to keep replaying the ones that we have. Yeah, uh, we're all the better for it because of it. Then it, oh, it's just classic. But uh, hey, uh, Scott is here. Bring it on. Let him in. Bring it on. <laughs> oh man! Uh, as we're bringing in our guest, it's Scott Mar- uh, Martino from the Fair Plays Baseball Club of Talbot County in Maryland. So, Rudy, when I, I think I've told this story once on the podcast before. Uh, I had family, well, I still have family, out in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and in Elkton, Maryland, and they are separated only by a bridge. So I went out there on a summer vacation one year when I was in high school, early years of high school, maybe freshman, uh, and we went to a restaurant on the water called The Tap Room and had outstanding seafood. It might be the first time in my life I actually had, like, real seafood, and uh, it changed my life. It changed my (laughs) life so much that my mom bought me a shirt from the place, Yeah, and I showed up to my school pictures in that shirt. So (laughs) on on picture day. Now, I didn't – I don't remember if I planned it. I can't give myself that much credit. I probably didn't because I probably wasn't even aware it was pitcher day. But when my mom got the school pitchers back, there I am with a the tap room with a, a crab holding a bottle of beer, I believe, T-shirt. And needless to say, she was not happy about that situation. Uh, but thanks to Vintage Baseball, sometime in the very near future, I'll be heading back to the tap room if it still exists as I go out to the East Coast. Rudy, please... Introduce our guest. Ladies and gentlemen from the uh, uh, Talbot Fair Plays, as I like to call them. They're called by many things. A great club, great man. Uh, Scott Martino, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, Scott, you, you play with a team, a club, that we have not, we have not had anyone on uh, from the Fair Plays. Is that what everybody refers to them, Rudy, as the Talbot Fair Plays? Well, I mean, it, it, you, I know there's like the the Fair Plays of Talbot, you know, things like and and of such and and referencing the names. I've always every time I've played against them and had the pleasure of sharing the field, I've always referred to them as the Talbot Fair Plays. But that's just me. I'm sorry, Scott. Yeah, go that's ahead. Accurate. Scott, that's give accurate. Talbot Fair Plays. We. 
We'll answer to just about anything. So, yeah. <laughs> Scott, what is your Pink Gold Horse? <clears throat> what is your vintage baseball uh, nickname? Tin Can. Tin Can. That's a good one. As I, I feel like there's a story there. Can we can we get into that? Uh, really, um, when I first started, we had a couple practices before our first game, my first year, and. Basically, our uh, captain at the time basically told anybody knew that uh, you had the three practices to figure out what your nickname was going to be or they got to tell you what the nickname was going to be. Um, at the time, I was working for uh, Coca-Cola, and Tin Can got brought up, and I went, okay, that's fine, and that's about it. No no real big story, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so when – we hear feedback from the people we have on the show as guests. They always talk about how in the very beginning they were nervous because these players in vintage baseball aren't used to just being interviewed. Uh, and then after a little while, the nerves go away and they have a normal uh, conversation. Scott, you're a big New York Mets fan. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So we're going to play. I'm going to get you in the right frame of mind. I'm going to get you in the mood for this interview. We're going to wipe away all the butterflies, if they exist. We're going to do word association. I'm going to throw – Rudy, you can play this too if you want. Uh, uh, I'm going to throw out the name of a New York Met, and you're just going to tell me a word or two that you, as a New York Met fan, would describe them. Okay. Here we go. Rudy, are you going to play? Are we going to go back and forth on this? Uh, I yeah, sure yes. Let's do it. Okay, Bobby Valentine. Character. <laughs> he was uh, very interesting to watch, and uh, I think he was a good manager. Just uh, he was quite the character, though. Okay, Daryl Strawberry. Uh, one of the first people I ever watched growing up playing. Um, always just. I thought I always thought he had a sweet swing, to be honest. Yes, he did. Absolutely. Mookie Wilson. Smile. That's all you ever see from him. You'd never see him not smiling. Nice. Um, Doc Gooden. Oh man. K. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I mean, not much more you can say about him. Just one of the best nice. to watch. Yes. Um. Justin Verlander. Hired gun. <laughs> hasn't, <laughs> hasn't even played yet. Went on the disabled list right away. Uh, Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand how connected we are because I was going to say Max Scherzer. But uh, that'd be about the same spot. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Tommy Herr. Before my time. Rudy, um, City Field. Very nice. Uh, I got to go there for the first time last season. Um, it it was impressive, especially the rotunda with the Jackie Robinson rotunda was really cool to see. Wally Backman, short and stout. <laughs> I remember watching him play and. Um, 86, um, just always hunched over. It looked like, okay, I don't, I don't want this to take a turn, but I can't <laughs> do, it. do this game without saying it. 
the World Baseball Classic? Uh, interesting. Um, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it this year just because I'm on the road a lot. Okay. But um, from what it seemed like, it went very well. And I wasn't – again, oh. I'm not against it. Yeah, you're okay. talking about it as a baseball fan, but let's talk about the World Baseball Classic as a Mets fan. I mean, so I knew that like asking a Mets fan about the World Baseball Classic and with Edwin Diaz going out would be a big uh, bag, but I mean, yeah. I was hoping. I mean, that I mean honestly, that could have happened to him p- pitching in a spring training game. He might not have been as excited and jumped up and down as much, but what's to say that wouldn't have happened in the first game of the season if he got excited and it happened again? Barrel Roller, we have a reasonable Mets fan with us. (laughs) No, we have to dig deeper. He's not reasonable. There's no way. There's no way. There's some unreasonable thoughts somewhere about something in – it's just too easy. All the it's years of clean. heartbreak have brought me to this point. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a hard knock sports fan. I'm a Mets fan and a Buffalo Bills fan. So, oh wow. <laughs> so I know how it feels to have your heart torn out a lot. <laughs> that is true, uh, Scott. Time to talk about vintage baseball. You play? Are you? Who is the captain of the Fair Place? Uh, last season I was, um, we've had a few different captains. Um, I'm actually turning most of the stuff, um, the administrative part back over to our old captain, uh, Joe Jordan, double dip. Um, just cause I've been on the road a lot and just trying to make sure things don't fall through the cracks. But, uh, for the past five, six seasons, I have been. Sounds like you got fired. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was my choice. <laughs> That's my story. Scott, take us back uh, to not just the beginning of vintage baseball. I want to go back further than that. There's a there's a part uh, a segment, I guess you could call it something we used to talk about all the time on the the podcast that we kind of gotten away from, and that's my fault. That people have been asking for it to come back. True statement, uh, Scott. Your earliest memories of playing baseball were what? Little League. Um, growing up in um, – at that time, we were living um, just outside of Middletown, New York, Um little town called Wurtsboro, New York, and uh, played um, Little League for the first time. And actually, my team was the Mets. Um, and the two seasons I played there, we won two games each season. Yes. Now we just, we just had a gentleman on from Saugerties vintage baseball club, William Quigley, who was an excellent little league player in his forties. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's going to hear that. (laughs) Scott, you start, you say you started with little league, but you didn't, you started playing organized baseball with little league. I want to go back farther than that. When you're in the neighborhood, getting together with the kids in the neighborhood playing baseball, what did that look like? Uh, we lived in a little, um, basically a trailer park. So it was, uh, you know, lying up on the street and hope you didn't hit anybody's car. 
<laughs> now you didn't have you didn't have eighteen kids where you played, so you had to play with less kids, which means you had to modify rules for whatever you could come up with. So talk about some of the modifications to the rules you had to do to suit the number of kids you had. Oh man, you're really going back. Um, we are vintage. We're vintage brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, man, I, I'm having a hard, um, did you have, if you trying to remember like, if Sorry. Um, like if you hit one of the cars, maybe it was an out. Um, it's been a while since I've really thought about that, but uh, I think that was one of them. Like if you hit someone's car, it was an out. <laughs> now, if you hit somebody's car on a bounce, was that an out? Uh, I think if you hit the car at all, it was an out, to be honest, because we didn't want anybody coming out and yelling at us. Right. So Try to keep the neighbors happy a little so bit. So it was the yeah. neighbors who demanded you got an out if you hit a car? <laughs> it sounds like uh, he was a reasonable child. Yeah, probably. I remember um, we weren't playing baseball, but we were playing in our yard, um, just kicking the ball around. And uh, our neighbor, the neighbor to, um, that was on the other side of my house would threaten to throw water on us if we hit their – hit their house with the ball oh, and my God. out the window. I do remember that. So you go on, you play little league. How far in organized baseball do you play? Um, I played up until I think it was seventh or eighth grade. Um, in middle school was the last year I played organized baseball. And then, so after organized baseball, when's the next time that you pick up uh, a bat with bad intentions for a ball? Uh, vintage baseball, oh, oh eight, I think was the first year of my, that I played vintage. Uh, what was that club you started with? Talbot Fairplace. Oh, so you're a lifelonger. You're a, was that 16 years? Uh, somewhere around there now. I think it was oh eight. I, um, I lose track at this point, to be honest. Fifteen years. This is your fifteenth year, something like that. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Do, I don't do the math around here. Rudy does it. Rudy, that's, that's Rudy's job. Let Rudy do the math. <laughs> yep. So you've been playing vintage baseball for thirty-eight years. All <laughs> right. I'm not your brother. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what, how did you? How did you get? What, how did you get hooked up with uh, the fair play? Like. Um, the winter before I started playing, I ran into, um, I had known one of the guys on the team, uh, Brian Lynch, call him pick. Um, we were at the Y, I think we were playing pickup basketball and, uh, in between games, we were standing around talking and he was talking to another guy that he played with. And I asked him what they were talking about. He explained it to me and I said, Hey, in the spring, let me know when you guys start up. I'd like to come out and. I tell everybody I went to my first practice and I was hooked. Been there since. Yeah, it doesn't take very long uh, to be hooked. Uh, I was hooked in about ten seconds. Rudy, you you were in a different situation because 
you were practically coming out of the womb with a ball in your hand. But when you see, when you see vintage baseball for the first time and God, I found it way too late in my life, but I, I sat down to watch. I didn't that. I just wanted to sit down and watch a game. I got invited out to watch. I believe it was Jeff Rawl uh, in the Bay city independence. And I sat down and they started and I was like, Oh no, I'm no. I am no longer watching this game. I am studying because I'm doing this. This is something I'm going yeah. to do. And uh, I was able, lucky enough, to get on the base of the independence because back in that day, that it wasn't uh, as diluted in the vintage baseball scene, and getting a spot on a club was uh, quite <laughs> difficult. So I got lucky to get a spot, I guess. And uh, they were not lucky. I got a spot. I will tell you that. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it did not take long for me. I did not care about the uh, catching the ball with the glove. Scott, you're a truck driver. You didn't give a crap about that ball hitting your hand, did you? No. No, we're truck drivers. Rudy, I know I make fun of you and your Seattle, but you got a couple of truck drivers right here. Uh, well, <laughs> so. well, you know, I do moisturize a lot and I do make sure, you know, the ball stings. I'm just going to, let me ask this question. How, at which, how many swings did it take for the fair plays to be like, no, you got a spot. You're done. Like, like you go out there and you take your first couple of swings. Was it like, did you crush the second one, the third one? When did um, they, I started off from the first game that we that I played after that. Yeah. Um, so I think it, they might have been just short on guys, but I'm going to say I did good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 38 years of playing finished baseball. You for the <laughs> for the same club. Uh, I don't I don't question his math, folks. Uh, you must have some stories. You must have some memorable experiences maybe at certain events uh you know these these vintage baseball podcast episodes that we do we are we we treat them like a legacy piece so this is uh the scott martino story if if the scott martino story was to talk about his best moments in vintage baseball experiences on and off the field. Uh, what are some of those stories? Oh, wow. Um, first one that comes to mind is uh, the first Gettysburg uh, Fest. Well, that was a festival, but at the time, the first year was actually a tournament. And uh, winning, winning that the first year that they had it with the club that we had, um, and the uh, captain of our team at the time, um, uh, Curly, who uh, passed away a year after that, um, a week before the second um, Gettysburg Festival. Um, that's probably one of the first things that I remember is playing that at Gettysburg the first year that they had the festival or the tournament that it was. Um, other times it's just a bunch of the guys that you meet um, from different clubs, whether it be from out West, um, my trip, my first time going to the Ohio cup a couple years ago, um, playing with 
I mean, I don't even remember how many different teams I played with that weekend. Yeah. Um, all the different guys you meet out there. Um, obviously going to Silver Ball up in uh, Rochester, New York. That's a blast every year to go up there. And then hanging out with just the guys that are my team when we go to Rochester or we go to Gettysburg camping and just having a blast and uh, man, there's just too there's so much that I could talk about that I'm not even sure where to start to be honest. You said that you lost the captain uh, a week before the second Gettysburg tournament. Is that did I hear that yes. right? How yes on on oh. the field. Um, we were playing the Brooklyn Atlantics at our field. They came down, um, and he had a heart attack on the field. And uh, his funeral was actually the weekend was the weekend of the festival. So obviously, we didn't go. Uh, the next time you guys take the field, uh, and I'm sorry if uh, we're going too far <laughs> with this subject matter. Good. The next time you guys take the field, how hard is that to concentrate on playing a baseball game uh, with that happening? Uh, yeah, I think um, it was really difficult. Um, so I think the next time we actually took the field after that was the Silver Ball Tournament up in Rochester, if I remember correctly. Because uh, that was only a few weeks after Gettysburg that we went up there and uh, that was I remember it being tough <laughs> but it's been yeah wow I mean and that's, that's incredibly sad and unfortunate and I feel like we talked about this uh, in a previous episode about Paul Salamone and we talk about like how the club like that's when you get that's when the club becomes more than a baseball team. You know what I mean? That's when like oh, yeah. the community really, you see the strength of our community because, you know, there's that shared loss and then you lean on each other for support. And, and clearly, I mean, that's, that's exactly what has happened with the, the fair plays. In my opinion is like, you guys are, you guys are one of my favorite clubs to play. But whenever we go to Gettysburg and we get, we get a chance to play you guys, I'm always incredibly happy. So I'm I'm glad that the the club was you know strong enough to to be there to support one another and continue on and I mean you mentioned uh, the, the Rochester how many how many times have have y'all won uh, the Silver Bowl? Um, the te- the Fair Plays have won. Ah uh, shoot. Um, is it so many you've lost track? Is that what we're <laughs> dealing with here? Well, there, there's a couple of things. There's one one year we were actually co-champions with Flemington because the championship game got rained out. <laughs> and then there was three, I believe it's four other wins that we have. Wow. And then I also played one year, um, Talbot Fair Plays didn't go up, but Bart, Matt Bartnicki, put together a travel team yeah part of that that also won it so wow yeah 
So since I've started playing, I've been to Rochester every year that it's that the tournament's gone on. Fantastic. All right, back to the game. Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> Luckiest guy to get paid forever. How do you celebrate how do you celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day? Do you just ignore it and just want to get the day over with because you know you're going to hear about it a thousand times that day? Or just shake my head and laugh at that point. <laughs> it just cracks me up every year when I see it. Vince Coleman. Knucklehead. Do you got one, Rudy? Or should I keep going? Um what how how do you feel about Pete Alonzo? <laughs> Good one. Oh, I love watching Pete play. Uh watching him at the um home run derby, just like a big kid. Yes. I mean, there's just I mean, there's no other word for it. That's exactly. Yep. Mike Piazza throwing a bat at Roger Clemens. Too bad he missed. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, Rudy, um, last one. Mr. Met. <laughs> uh, just, it is what it is. I mean, every team's got to have a mascot. No, they don't. And. That's what they that's what they came up with. I don't even know. No, they don't. Uh do you have a picture of you with Mr. Met? I do not. I went to a Washington Nationals game last year. Why? Because I was in town. And I walked into the stadium and walked right into the arms of Theodore Roosevelt. So uh that that was a big thrill for me. He just was there. I didn't have to go. Uh, searching the loser of every presidential race well, I think in he, that stadium. I think he won once. It was the worst presidential race in the history that I saw that night. It was the first game uh, that, oh, what's his name, Juan Soto came back as a Padre. Uh, uh, it was, uh, they, had a, they had a great uh, steak sandwich. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, oh, no, you know what I had? I didn't have a uh, – I was thinking about Philadelphia. They had an incredible lobster roll I had at the Washington Nationals game. So when you go to the Washington Nationals game, have a lobster roll, go to the, the, the team store, it's really good, and then leave because the stadium uh, is okay and the team sucks. Okay. <laughs> Scott, you've played yeah. you've played for 38 years. You played in a lot of vintage baseball events. Uh talk to us about some of the events that you have yet to play in that you uh would like to attend. Oh, the um the one in Michigan, the World is it the World Vintage Baseball Class? No. The exact name. No, no, it's the Vintage Baseball Festival. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it is the world's tournament at Greenfield Village. Uh, yeah, that's it. Always, we got invited to it one year, but it always ends up as the same weekend as Silver Ball. Yep. And uh, we we like Silver Ball. You can't go without Silver Ball one year, Scott. One year. Uh, the museum. Has the no, JFK yeah. car in it for crying out loud? It has the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Oh that, well, then okay. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bill Roller asking asking him to go without Silver Ball is like asking Bay City to go without 
uh, the World Tournament. That's why you have so many of the same clubs or the Capitals to go without the World Tournament. Uh, rumor is Bay City would like to go to Silver Ball. Uh, uh, unofficially, that's just a rumor. Uh, but I do believe that isn't Rudy. Am I correct that Droverton uh, is going to Silver Ball this year? That's the rumor. I don't. I can either confirm nor deny. And so I thought yeah. it was official, but I could be wrong. The, uh, the only club that I know that's not from the area that is constantly attending Silver Ball were there's two. There's the Akron Black Stockings and the Cleveland Blues. No, no, there's one from yeah. Michigan. It's the the Northville Eclipse Baseball Club that goes out to Silver Ball. Oh, they Ball. go. That's amazing. They yeah, also, um, love it. The other one is that's I think it's been there every year that they've had this Silver Ball is uh, Woodstock. Uh, oh, I think yeah. they're out of Canada. From Canada, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have tried since the beginning of this podcast to get a hold of somebody from that team to be on the podcast and have come up with nothing. I haven't even gotten a no out of them. I just can't get a hold of them. <laughs> you know what they should do one year, Rudy, is all of the teams what? that play at Silver Ball should come and do the World's Tournament, and all the teams that do the World's Tournament should go do Silver Ball. Hey, you seem like a man with a platform and you know some people. I bet you could make that happen. No way. No way. Uh, I got enough. I got enough going on and I got enough no's in my life to try to turn into yeses. And, uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I was just recently dealt a very, a, a very emotional no. So I'm on the down low right now, trying to, trying to find a yes for some stuff. But, uh, uh, Scott, what have you heard as an East coaster that's never been to the world's tournament what have you heard about that uh the teams aren't as good as the east coast no <laughs> just kidding just, just kidding just kidding no that was the no, perfect answer a whole lot of hate mail there <laughs> that was the best answer <laughs> um I, I know the rules are different um but you play by whatever rules that that tournament or that team sets up so i don't have any problem with that it's just um i just like to see different teams and meet different people at these events like this i just always have a good time at them so just a different festival that i haven't been to that i'd like to sometime did you know they have the chair abraham lincoln was shot in at the museum at that event no, I did not. <laughs> it's a true statement. They also have Thomas Edison's last breath. Oh, that's real. That's look it up. Hey, look right. it up. Okay. Yeah. You guys, you guys want to look at an empty bottle? Here you go. It's it's a test tube. Look no. it up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Scott, uh, tell us about the home field where you play for the fair plays at. Uh, it is a patch of grass um, behind, just behind, the, not right behind, but uh, just down the road from a 7-Eleven in Easton, Maryland. Um, just basically a wide open field that we found and played there every year since I've started. Um, 
pretty flat, drains well, never really have a problem with it flooding, so we can't play. Um, it could rain till 6 o'clock in the morning, and we could play at 11 o'clock with no problems. Wow. Uh, 7-Eleven's recently been bought out by Speedway. Is it still named a 7-Eleven over there? Uh, last time I was by it, yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that was irrelevant. It's just something I know because I, I deliver beer. All the useless facts in the head, right? There you go. That's what I get told. Uh, Scott, your season coming up here. Uh, what's your schedule looking like? I'm going to look it up as we uh, as we go. Is there a website for the team? Uh, not a particular website, but it is on Facebook. Um, uh, I think we open May 7th. Uh, yeah, we open May 7th. Um, we don't have as heavy a schedule as we have had in past years. Um, May 7th, we open with Elkton at their place. Um, then we got Brandywine and a few weeks after that and Lewis, which is out of Delaware. Um, another good team. Um, and then of course we've got Gettysburg and Silver Ball. And in June, we're also doing a little festival with Rising Sun at a winery. Um, they do it every I think they do it twice a year where they bring in a couple of clubs and it's like a whole weekend. Yep. Um, so we're doing that one day with them in June. So, so once again, we're seeing a a limited schedule, uh, looks like seven dates. You can find the fair plays on the Facebook, just like Scott said, uh, seven dates through the summer. Does that mean that you'll be partaking in some barnstorming with some other clubs or are you, do you bleed red and white? Um, no, I've done that plenty of times. Um, mostly this year, it'll depend on my schedule with work when I'm home, if I'm able to do that. Um, I've had plenty of clubs call me up night before and be like, hey, can you come play? And I'll be like, oh, where at? And I'll drive to Jersey or I've done that in the past if I'm home and have no problem doing that. But uh Mostly it's going to depend on work this year as if, uh, if I can do any of that. But scientifically you do bleed red. So you were wrong. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) look, look it up. Uh, Scott, we've passed the vintage baseball portion of this interview as we get to, to know you a little bit better, but. Is there anything that you'd like to say out to the vintage baseball community as, uh, all of them and their little brothers will be listening to this. Uh, is there any shout outs that you'd like to get? Uh, so you get better pitches during the season. No pitchers just throw at me most of the time. <laughs> nice. Um, no, I mean, if you can come out to a game, um, come watch a game, if a team or if you're interested, contact the team and ask them what their what their availability is. And if you want to play, jump out there. It's a lot of fun, and just get out and have fun. Can you Meet tell some new people? Can you tell us 
what what is the uh, what do the fair plays do for recruiting? Is it just word of mouth? Are you hoping for, or <sighs> do you actually do have something in your back pocket for recruiting? Uh, honestly, the last couple of years have been tough. Um, and mostly, it's been word of mouth. We haven't had the best of luck lately, which is one of the reasons why we have such a limited schedule. Is just making sure that we have enough guys when we do play. Sure. But any tips I'll take as to for recruiting, just we've had a tough time lately. Rudy, do you remember the roller on the barrel policy and how to recruit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be go to your local softball establishment where softball is being played in your full vintage baseball uniform. And then while the games are going on, heckle or make comments very loudly about how you could do that very same thing, but without a glove and then goad a team into challenging you to a vintage baseball match after their softball match. And then thus uh, generating interest and intrigue. And then hopefully that would equal uh, a, re- uh, a recruitment to the club. Am I, was I correct, Barrel Roller? Yes, and you can be as as, uh, as brash as you want to be because that's all in character, I would think. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I like that idea. Though one thing about that is like the last couple of years, I've actually played softball with uh, Joe Double Dip um, at a softball league. And uh, that's actually a pretty interesting idea. And we've tried to get some of the guys from that to come out, but no one's they're either all hardcore softball where everything is every tournament that they can go to, they go to, or they're just out there to, drink beer and have fun for a couple hours and then go home. Because yeah. the, the key is to finish baseball recruitment. When people hear about it, they're like, eh, whatever. But when they see the uniforms and they see baseball being played, it's been proven time and time again. Scott, you said it earlier, happened to me. You fall in love. But you have yeah. you have to bring it to them because they won't come yep. to it. So... That's just that's our little policy on what should be done, that's, and to this date, no one's done it. So yeah, yeah. Hmm. There's, I mean, <laughs> I worry that uh, I would take that method and then get destroyed and injured, and then they would be like, "Yeah, that's why we're not going to play." But <laughs> no, that's just me. But I I admire the strategy of shrinking the schedule. You know how many clubs struggle to get players. And they main they they are like nope keeping that same schedule and then they have to cancel and cancel and cancel. Shrinking I, the schedule down is a, a fantastic strategy, and the Capitals have done that in the past. So yeah, that's the last thing I I hate having to cancel games. Yeah, I mean weather that's understandable. You can't play in torrential downpours, but when you it have is, it's, but, when you have a guy oh yeah we have. <laughs> When you have a guy cancel, do you show up on his front yard, his the lawn, kick his kids' toys around until he comes out and goes to the game? No, I just grab his wife and go to the date. Nice. <laughs> nice. No. Well done. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott, you, uh, you were a driver for Coca-Cola for many years. Uh, 
I, I'm curious. I know that about you. I'm curious as to why you don't do that anymore after, I believe it was 19 years with the company. Is that right? Uh, I was with Coke for about 11. Oh, check the math. Um, that I, was Rudy's I math. Only drove, yeah. Well, we'll blame it on his brother. That's there you fine. go. <laughs> um, yeah, just I left Coke and I got another job working um, construction, um, basically installing um, uh, movable, movable partition walls. I did that for about three years. And then March of last year is when I started driving over the road. Are you so, driving over the road for the same construction or are you, is this a different company in different situation? This is a different company. That company pretty much went out of business is why I ended up doing this now. So over the road, how many days of the week are you on the road? I'm usually out for at least two weeks before I go home. I usually stay out about two weeks. So you're driving coast to coast border border. Is that right? Um, no, I've been I've been to the West Coast once, but mostly I stay between Kansas and the East Coast. Um, right now I'm in Massachusetts, um, and about as far south as I've gone is um, Nashville. So, being on the road merits like staying occupied, and 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 I associate that with uh, listening to to whether it be music or podcast, uh, what are you listening to while out on the road? Uh, I've gotten into, um, using the audio app. Yeah. Um, if, or I have Sirius XM, if a match game's on, I usually have that on lately. Um, during the NFL season, I'd listen to the football games. Um, as far as podcasts, um, there's a couple different ones on audio that I've gotten into. Say it, Scott. Um, say it. <laughs> say it, damn it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I like some of the history ones. Um, uh, American, there's one American Scandal, um, American History Tellers, uh, and then there's another one about the old West that I listened to too. Um, so nice. So kind of a variety. And then a couple of different audio books. I like some of the, um, autobiographies. Brian Cranston's last one was really good to listen to. Nice. He's a character and that was really enjoyable to listen to. Uh, back when you were driving for Coke, when you were delivering, were you delivering to the the big stores or were you making deliveries to uh, the smaller stores? Uh, mostly I did big stores, but I also did some of the small stores every now and then. Do you have any do you have any stories that you recall from any deliveries mishaps that happened uh, while you were working? Uh, got to the plant one morning. Um, I usually started out about three to three thirty AM. Um, uh, my first delivery was four thirty and I had about an hour drive. Um, opened up the back end and already had pallets that were falling over from the loading. Uh, I walked inside and told the actually the night crew was still there. Usually they were gone, but 
And the warehouse manager's like, no, the pallets are all good. I walked him right outside and showed him. He went, oh, no. <laughs> this is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I can actually, uh, Rudy should be making fun of truck drivers right now because I can definitely no. feel your pain on this. Uh, and I will, I can actually tell a quick story that if, if they listen to this podcast, I might get in trouble, but so I did, you just described what I do. I got to go in early. Uh, I actually still have about an hour to my first stop. Uh, I deliver Budweiser and, uh, we were having issues because where our trucks would dock to unload from the day before and then they would drive them around to the other side of the warehouse to load and then they would drive them back and park them and so those young kids would uh every which way pallets would would wind up all screwed up uh like that and then sometimes uh a driver wouldn't get done the day before so that that beer still has to go out the next day so they would throw that beer on the back of my truck and load me right up but it wouldn't be in order so I wouldn't be able to get to like my first and second and third stop because my ninth and 10th stop and 11th stop are right there in front of it. So, uh, the last time that happened, I just, I went home sick. I opened, <laughs> I opened up the door of my truck, saw they did that, turned around and just walked out. And the supervisor asked where you're going. And I said, the only thing I can legally say right now is that I don't feel well and I'm going home. And he said, oh, they screwed up your truck again, didn't they? And I said, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling well. I have to go home now. Because I- yeah, another, story, <laughs> another story I can tell you is I had um, I had a full trailer, um, 23 pallets all the way to the back door. And got to my first stop. And, they, and I only had two stops on this truck. So half the truck was going to one stop. Half the truck was going to another stop. And the receiver goes, yeah, we're not taking that. Oh, no. And I'm like, what? And then having to go to a second stop and move the whole first stop to get the other stop off. And then you got a phone call. Then you got a phone call that said, uh, you can go back to that first stop and deliver now. Did you get that phone call? No, but I went back to the, they were in the same town. I went back to the first stop trying to get them to take it and they still wouldn't so i'd take it back back to the plant so so rudy the way you feel right now is the way that i feel when you start talking theater okay Uh, number one number one (laughs) first off one of the dumbest things ever said and there's a lot of dumb things said on this show uh, what? Rudy should start making. Rudy should start making fun of truckers what the hell hell no absolutely not (laughs) I'm good. Yeah, that'd be a bad idea. Sorry. Yeah. It was a terrible, you know, I was wrong on that one. What was it? Was there another? You said one. Is there a two? Your math I mean, no, sucks. That, was just, that, <laughs> that just hit me right in the head. I was like, what? No, I love life. No, thank you. Well, not. Well, usually the number one's followed by a number two, but that's okay, Rudy. Keep adding. Siata. I was just, (laughs) it's nice to talk to a truck driver for a change. Uh, The worst you've been stranded because your truck broke down, Scott. 
Uh, actually, I was working for Coke, and I was deliver- delivering on the Eastern Shore. I was about an hour away from our plant, and the turbo in my truck blew out. Uh-huh. And still had two more stops on a Saturday. Oh, no. I said, screw it. I'm still getting these other stops off and drove about 25 miles an hour down the road. <laughs> they hate the when you do that. Off until they brought a tow truck to tow me back. Oh, my gosh. Because they wanted to tow another truck to me and then finish my stop. I was like, by then, by that time, my day's going to be shot. I'm like, nope, I'll keep moving. Just oh, send the tow truck to me at my last stop. Yeah, uh, they hate when you, they they want you to get all the work done and they jam you, uh, and then when something like that happens, they are not happy that you just drove with no turbo, twenty five miles an hour. Uh, oh, the, I told my boss I was doing it, and he's like, uh, uh, "What?" And it was a Saturday too, so. Oh. oh by the way, the record well, for the the worst year uh, in New York Mets history was uh 1899 uh they lost 120 times i'm just saying uh scott are the mets going to the playoffs this year playoffs yes uh do you like having an owner that just spends a buttload of money on the team and doesn't and doesn't care about the ramifications yes i do uh, you know you're in no way going to make the playoffs, right? I mean, you say you are. But why would you say? Why? I'll tell you why. Because they got a couple of fossils leading the pitching rotation. You lost your closer, and you got no money to go out and do anything about it. It's going to be okay, bad so news. we're done with the podcast now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... No, I think the Mets make the playoffs, but it does depend a lot on health, like it does for any team. No, it doesn't. I, it doesn't for many teams because the Detroit Tigers could go through the entire season being healthy as could be and have no shot of making the playoffs. The, De- the Detroit Tigers don't have the roster that the Mets have. And they did. <laughs> That's their at roster. Point, exactly, exactly. I, I, you know, as a, I am not, I mean, I am a fan of baseball. Yeah. I I follow and support the Yankees, but Great. I do appreciate everything the Mets are doing, and I and and the Cohen tax is like just whatever. I want to get I want a championship, and he wants to make it happen, and so I, I'm excited. I'm I I believe the Mets will make the playoffs this year. But I also like the way that he's doing it, where he came in and he said, "Yes, I want to contend now, but I also want to build the farm system." Yeah. And I think they started doing that too, where they've got some good prospects coming up. Well, they didn't hire so. Dave Dombrowski, did they? <laughs> Who's a ju- once you hire Dave Dombrowski, you don't have a farm system anymore because he rapes it. Uh, uh, the Red Sox and the Tigers, and what is the other team? There's a couple other teams on his. He's blazed uh, a, a nice playoff trail, and then left him in the dust to squander all of their assets away uh and they end up i don't know like the current day detroit tigers someone's not bitter about anything are they i'm very bitter about this scott 
and uh, <laughs> and to see an owner come along and spend that kind of money to make sure that you guys are going to go to the playoffs hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings because it's going to be another cold, long, dreary summer of Detroit Tiger baseball, and I'm I'm jealous, and I do not wear jealousy well, Scott. I don't wear it well at all. Uh, it didn't show. <laughs> Rudy wears it well, though. I think because you can never tell. You're, well, he's just uh, always jealous of his brother, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You keep bringing up his brother, and we're going to see how well he wears jealousy. <laughs> well, that was a fun podcast. See y'all later. <laughs> uh, Scott, hey, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for talking fair plays. Uh, Vintage Baseball Club of Talbot County in Maryland. It's in Maryland. Huh. Where's your best seafood place? Oh man, on the eastern shore, they're all over the place. There's a oh my goodness, I can't think it. Have you ever been to the seafood. Have you ever been to the tap room? Where's that at? I don't know. It's in Elkton, Maryland, right on the water. Elkton? Well, it used to be. It uh, that would be um, that's, oh, that's probably about an hour and a half from me. That's a little north. That's up near Philly. Well, it's worth it for the t-shirts. Um, <laughs> we're more down on the eastern shore um heading towards ocean city okay so scott martino wants to go out and get the best seafood dinner i want you to tell me where you're going and i want you to tell me what you're getting well first i'm not getting seafood to be honest what? I'm not a, <laughs> personally i'm not a seafood fan i didn't grow up in maryland so i don't all the people in Maryland are going to really hate me for this, but I'm not a big crab fan either. So, I, I, it's difficult for me. I have look. I'll have like a, a, you know, I'll do like a fish and chips, but like lobster crab, anything with like a claw that I got to break and then like pull. It's just too much work. I'm not into it. It's too much work for not enough meat. I'll just take the steak. Um, what the hell is going on around here? Uh. <laughs> Rudy, in a vegetarian lifestyle that you you are around, yeah. where do, where does seafood fall on that? Uh, seafood is more acceptable in in the vegetarian lifestyle that I am currently around. But I don't care about that. I care about seafood. It's it's not considered the meat of the sea. I mean, it's it's good. You can eat. It. <laughs> no, I mean no. It's still meat. It's just that. Uh, my wife is vegetarian, Scott, and uh, my kids. My kids are all vegetarian. I I am supportive, but I I I am not. And my wife said the last uh, meat that she actually ate and enjoyed was seafood, and she misses seafood. Oh, so she won't eat me. seafood. That's what I was trying to get to. She won't eat seafood. Oh no, absolutely no, no. And you don't like no. it. I I I, wow. I I mean I'm okay with it. I'm I. I recognize that it is delicious to some people. Normal people. Not me. Uh, uh, Okay, so once again, I'm still just taking that in. I mean, Rudy, what do you do? You eat rice? I mean, what the hell do you eat, man? Uh, Scott, thanks for being on the show. (laughs) Thanks for putting up with our nonsense. 
thanks for allowing us to uh, learn more about you and degrade the New York Mets, even though they probably are going to the playoffs this year, and I hate you. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you guys having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, uh, take it take it easy out there. Uh, and uh, I, I look forward to hopefully crossing paths with you soon again. It's always a treat, man. Um, I wish you nothing but the best this season, okay? Thank you. You guys at Gettysburg? Not this year. Not this year. Uh, hopefully next year. Okay. I just saw the schedule for Gettysburg came out today, and I didn't, haven't had a chance to really look at it. So. Yeah, we, we, we couldn't do this year because we had to maintain a, a prior commitment from last year that we missed. So we had to choose. So hopefully next year. All right. Well, we're running to you guys somewhere along the line. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Scott, before you go, I'm going to give you the old pepper. I don't know if you ever listened to uh, any of these these silly episodes that we do, but I like to finish with uh, giving you the old pepper. Have you ever heard this segment before, Scott? I don't think I have. Damn it, Scott, say yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be. I want it to be new and crisp for me. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez! All right, let me let me get up to music. You gotta have music. All right, Scott Martino, do you believe in UFOs? No. What was the first concert you ever went to? Nickelback. I love Nickelback. Uh, you put on a hell of a concert. I what, was in college. What was the name of the girl you had your first kiss with? First name only, please. Beb. Uh, what was the first car that you had? Oh, uh, Toyota Tercel. If you could have one meal only one meal that's it for every meal for the rest of your life what would it be pizza oh uh while you're over there in the east coast why don't you go ahead and build the perfect pizza for us according to scott uh pepperoni sausage bacon i'm good if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, fly. Uh, if you could have a second superpower, what would it be? <laughs> uh, uh, just be Superman. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can you name an overrated superhero? Um... Oh, goodness. I don't know. First one that comes to my mind is Star Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's a good answer, I but know. I like him. I mean, that's uh, a good answer. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, what is your favorite? Here, it's a two part question. What's your favorite beer on tap? And what's your favorite beer in a bottle? All right. I don't drink beer, but I do rum. Interview Bacardi. over. Interview over. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, just never been a beer guy. Um, Bacardi. 
Let me um, rephrase. Let me rephrase a question. Then let me set you back right. up, Scott. Let me set you back up, <laughs> Scott. When you go to the bar, what is your favorite drink of choice? Uh, rum and Coke, Blue Bacardi. When you're sitting on a baseball field enjoying a vintage baseball event, you're not playing, but you're you're taking a little nip of something. What is it that you're taking a little nip of? Well, first off, it's sacrilege because I'm going to be playing. <laughs> There's time in between uh, games sometimes. There's other teams I got to play. Probably a pre-mixed Bacardi and Coke from the cooler. And lastly, Scott, can you give us your Mount Rushmore of favorite New York Met players of all time? Your favorite. My favorite? Uh, one, Gary Carter. Uh, um, oh, goodness. Um, shoot. Um. The only name that came to mind for this was Gary Carter. That's it. That's I mean, all you a get. good first name. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, yeah honestly. Um, I grew up when I was in Little League. I wanted to be a catcher, and I was watching the Mets, and, man, he did it all at that time. I remember watching. So you, you don't even care about other people. That's all right, Scott. We'll <laughs> let it go at Gary Carter. Hell of a haircut. The 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 white man's afro is is what he had there. Uh, a lot of curly. All right, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what a great sport. Uh, good luck on the season. Uh, you take care of yourself, huh, buddy? You too. Thank you very much for having me. For the barrel roller. Oh well. And whoa, tin can. What what are you doing? What? I was about to get us out. We still got to talk about WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, as as we promised everybody, it's it is uh, WrestleMania, and we got to talk about. Oh, you know, I had the 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 results right here in front of me, and they're gone. But anyway, let's talk about WrestleMania, and let's go through by match as I pull that up. But I do remember what the first match was. Let me get your thoughts, your quick thoughts, because I know you got to get back to, uh, you know, family and not eating anything except rice. Uh, <laughs> is rice acceptable? I guess I should ask is, if rice is acceptable. Yeah, rice, is del- rice is delicious. It is. I eat a lot of rice. Can't you tell? Um, first match was Brock Lesnar, Omos. Can you just give us a, a, a quick thought? Um, did not go the way I was anticipating it, but it was, it was a great match. Omos is a big man, but you know, uh, he did, he, they did a great job. I, I think the match established Omos as a force and still yet maintained Brock Lesnar as the alpha. Oh, very diplomatic of you. Uh, yeah. I'm not a diplomatic person at all. I, I think uh, Brock Lesnar is coming to the end of his career and he shouldn't be beating somebody that's just starting out in his career, but also Omos sucks. Okay. Next was uh, a four-way tag team match. Uh, Oh, you know what? Nope. They don't have it in order, so we're not going to go in order, but this is a four-way. This was second night. It was Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. It was Natalia and Shotzi. It was 
Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, and it was Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Uh, who do you dislike the most in that match, Rudy? Who are you dislike? Oh, geez, they're not good. Chelsea Green and uh, Sonya Deville. I didn't. I mean, I just felt like, yeah, I, I would much rather watch the other the other uh, teams than them. I will agree with you on the Chelsea Green. I've always been okay with Sonia Deville. She's always been okay with me. I always think she's she's not great, but she's not bad. Uh, I'll tell you who annoys the hell out of me though is Raquel Rodriguez. She annoys. I know that she's big and powerful, but she's not good at being a wrestler. Is it because that she has no character? It's just her smiling and. Okay, that's annoying. You know, yeah, that's annoying. But she's also giving away spots by having bad timing and corner looking like, you know, something's about to happen when she's, mm-hmm. she's not good. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, she's more work. Ronda Rousey won uh, as expected because, yeah, I mean, I like Liv Morgan. I'm a big Liv Morgan guy. Uh, and she did well in that match too. And, but, uh, Anyway, uh, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. It was yeah. Seamus, Drew McIntyre, and my Whoa. new favorite wrestler. Are you he, serious? Yeah. He, he won me over at the Royal Rumble. He yeah. absolutely won me. I am now a big yeah. proponent of Gunther. Gunther! And what a match they put on. They beat the hell out of each other. Rudy, what do you think about it? I have been a fan of Gunther since he was the uh, since he came up in w, the UK division of WWE as Walter and <laughs> I loved him then I love him now I was I do like Sheamus and Drew McIntyre I was worried they were going to take the title away from Gunther but I I love everything about Gunther Yeah a great match to watch uh, there was Bianca Belair against Asuka I'm a huge Oscar guy. I hate Bianca Belair. I do not think she she is another Raquel Rodriguez to me. She's she has not found a character. Yeah, and she's had the title for a year. I don't understand it. I mean, a lot of people like her, so I, I know I'm on the minority on this one. No, well, I mean, like, I was rooting I for Oscar big time. I was rooting for Oscar. Bianca Belair was a better. I feel like a better wrestler in NXT was a better. Uh, I liked her. I liked Bianca Belair's work as a heel. I don't like this. This I don't. I mean, she does amazing things. She's she's really great. But I think Oscar was a far. I think Oscar's a better wrestler. Even with the language barrier, I think Oscar Oscar would have been a better champion. Uh, absolutely. Also, then there was. Uh, then there was the. Inc- <laughs> These are. We're talking about the matches in the order of the way that the CBS Sports. Uh, website has uh-huh. has graded them so we're going from worst to first okay uh and i pretty much disagree with where they just had the gunther sheamus mcintyre yeah, match okay. but uh, uh the snoop dog and the miz had a, okay look had a segment on both nights uh, i hated both of them so much and yeah, obviously the second night the second night fell apart because Shane McMahon tore his quad. 
because you shouldn't be wrestling in tennis shoes at 53 years old when you weren't the most fleetest of foot in the you shouldn't have been doing that but it was probably as farewell as wwe was selling and you're never going to see shane mcmahon again so injury what, or not I was, <laughs> go ahead i i actually was like i groaned when his music hit i went um are we doing this again and didn't his dad tear his quad or both of something? them yeah and he had to sit there with torn quads trying to make a a, a mark work i'm I'm, you know, it's fitting. I mean, whatever. I hope, I hope he doesn't. I'm tired of the Shane McMahon thing. I'm tired of the Miz when he's not in a main storyline as a bad guy. He's a great bad guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. But he's like the spokesman of the company and I hate that stuff. Uh, And then Pat McAfee. That the coolness of the Pat McAfee things kind of wore off for me. I mean, yep. The Logan Paul thing, yep. and we'll talk about him in the match coming up, but that hasn't wore off. But the Pat McAfee thing, it's dead to me. And then the George Kittle. That's, yeah. That's... Every time they include an NFL player, it looks awful. It's a terrible segment, and I know why they're doing it. Just stop. Uh, yeah, then, I agree. Then there was the Edge Finn Balor Hell in the Cell match. Rudy, go ahead. Something went wrong in that match, for sure, because they they zeroed in on Edge, like they gave him a tight shot. Well, they, I guess they made sure that Finn Balor Balor wasn't like too severely bleeding or something like that. But man, I don't. Finn Balor is so good. I have really enjoyed Finn Balor. And I, 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 he came on the radar for me when he was in NXT. I, I feel like why are we pushing over forty-year-old Hall of Famers over like guys that should be getting a, a bigger push? Well, Finn Balor's pretty old too. He's close to forty, if if not. Yeah, but I would take a forty-year-old Finn Balor over a forty forty-plus-year-old Edge any day uh i hated the fact well by the way i'll send you a picture i have a picture a clean picture of the cut that finn balor got on the top of his head and why they stopped the match for a while yeah it nasty uh but i don't need to see it. you don't need to see it. okay uh but they built that little i hate this stuff in wrestling when they they built a little shelf for him to do a move off of on the side of the oh gosh yeah it was a terrible hell in a cell match they didn't need to do that in a hell in a cell match i also don't i I feel like why would you i don't know i don't like it when the demon loses but that's just me and uh this match in no way shape or form was better than gunther sheamus at all and no No way yeah no way cbs you were wrong uh they have the roman reigns cody rhodes match next uh, I loved it, and I loved the fact that Roman Reigns won. I was not expecting it. I am okay with it because I feel like Roman Reigns is probably one of the best heels that the company has produced in a very long time. I love the I love it, and I'm okay with it. I was thinking, I was like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be something better planned ahead for Cody Rhodes to win the championship. But then I was like, what's better than winning it at WrestleMania? I'm going to trust the process. I, I was okay with it. 
Yeah, Roman Reigns always says in the interviews where where he's shooting is, "Hey, we're we're building storylines. This isn't yeah. the we're not coming to the end. We've still got a ton of storyline to get to, and it's filet mignon, and you just have to deal with it. We're not serving cheeseburgers around here." So it's, it's it's like literally one of the best stories they've had going in a very long time. I'm okay with it. Yeah, once the Usos lost the tag team titles, I was like, God, I hope Roman wins. I don't uh-huh. need, you know. Uh, I think I think they put on a hell of a match, though. I think if there were naysayers about Cody Rhodes, I'm not a naysayer. He just doesn't doesn't do anything for me. But I, yeah. I, I'm not negative about Cody Rhodes. I would say if you were negative about Cody Rhodes, you have to acknowledge the hell of a match he, he was a part yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, that was good. Uh, I lost my place. Oh, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, what did you think, by the way? As I'm looking for more matches, did we cover all of them? There's no way we covered all of them. There was Rey Mysterio against Dominic Mysterio. What What's your take on that match? Um, I don't ever watch wrestling in front of my children because of my wife. It, my wife does not. I was like, no, no, does not need to watch that. That was the my son came down, watched it with me, was completely enthralled, lost his mind when Pop Santos Escobar came flying through the ropes. He was like, "Did you see that guy fly, Dad?" Stated that that's what Dominique got because he betrayed his father, and I've never felt so proud in my life. And then. Um, he is a huge Bad Bunny fan. He loves Bad Bunny, and he lost his mind when he realized that's what that's who Bad Bunny was. He was like, "So I really enjoyed that match, um, and I was I'm, I'm I was a little angry that they were took Rey Mysterio's moment and being inducted into the Hall of Fame and used it to further the story because I feel like they wouldn't have done that for anybody else, but." I know that, like, I feel like I like what they're doing with Dominic. Yeah, I don't think Dominic's very good uh, without Rhea Ripley, and they know this, obviously. Uh-huh. He's nothing. He's terrible. He can wrestle because he's been taught by his father how to wrestle. But Don't he, give him a mic. No, yeah. don't give him a mic. He's not a storyline guy. Uh, everything that you think that Dominic is doing right right now is because the people around him are doing it right. Exactly. Uh, uh, but, you know, he's got room to grow. He's very young, mm-hmm. and he's Rey Mysterio's son. So, you know, I feel good about it uh, going forward. <laughs> I just kind of thought Rey Mysterio was going to lose just to build his son because I know he doesn't have much left in the tank. So oh, yeah, it'll come. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley match might have been crazy. my favorite match of the night. Love that match. That was so good. It, oh my god! I mean, they they did it. I mean, I watched their first match, and you know, well, not their first. I guess maybe, but at the the pandemic uh, WrestleMania, and I was like, oh my gosh! And you can watch the, like the documentary, the twenty four seven on that, and get a little bit more insight on that. But man, that was like hands down top two match of the the whole weekend it was so violent it was yeah it was right behind mcintyre seamus gunther as as violence 
Yeah. Uh, wow. They did great. The rumor is that Charlotte Flair is actually going into bodybuilding. Have you heard that rumor? I have not. She cut all that weight because she's going in to try that for a little like, while. Oh, wow. Uh, there's a tag team match. Uh, the Usos against Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. I assume you're a big Usos guy because you look like you could be their brother. <laughs> you look like an Uso. Yeah, <laughs> It's that cultural ambiguity I got going on. <laughs> Nobody really knows. But you got that big, beautiful smile that they have when they smile. You look like an Uso. Yeah. Do you acknowledge the bloodline when you're watching these matches? Of course I acknowledge the bloodline. I mean, it's like asking if I, you know, did the two sweet sign when the NWO came out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I acknowledge them. Uh, Absolutely. So how did you feel about them losing? It was inevitable. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, they've cemented their legacy as one of the greatest tag teams. Uh, and I felt like the story had reached the, that crescendo, that climax, that it was like it, it needed to happen. You could see, and the storytelling never stops. So even after Kevin Owens and Sammy Dizane won, you could tell they were still telling the story, and I loved that. So I, 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 love, I was okay with them losing for the purpose of the story. And, uh, you know, we're missing one match. I think, uh, wasn't there, there, the woman's, well, there was a John Cena and Austin theory. No, I didn't forget that one. Okay, good. That was awful. Seeing John Cena like that. I, I've always disliked John Cena, uh, as a wrestling fan. I don't dislike John Cena. Yeah. But he's a pretty, yeah. I yeah. never thought he was he was entertaining except when the bell rang. Yeah. So yeah. so I always thought build up to big matches and storylines and all that, great. Loved it. Yeah. And then the bell would ring and that's when I'd go get nachos. <laughs> Cuz I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh so that was that. But w- there was a a woman's tag team title or a no, it wasn't oh, a tag between, team title. Yeah. It was, it a, was a six man match. Six, yeah, yeah. Trish Stratus, um, Lita, who looks just a shell of herself. It saddens me because I was so in love with Lita. And, everyone was. And Becky Lynch uh, went against a damage control. And that went just about the way you'd expect it to go. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, I see what they're trying to do, but I felt like they could have probably done it. I mean – the women's division, the tag team division, needs needs some guidance. Let's be honest. And I thought Damage Control was going to be that 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 guiding light, but apparently not. So I think that wraps it up. A uh, little extra tonight. The episode's a little longer tonight. You've probably had to, you know, listen to this in like seven segments. Sorry, uh, <laughs> as we gave you our WrestleMania roundup. Tell everybody goodbye, Rudy. <laughs> for the barrel roller I'm the Swamp Fox I want to tell you to keep it stays in the station and we'll see you out in the field it pains me that you don't eat seafood I just <laughs> I, when you say I you're, had good, when you say you're having fish and chips what kind of fish is that <laughs> it's, that's the only seafood I actually eat <laughs> And it's not, it's not because I don't like it. It's just that I've never had good ones.
I'm open. Well, Take me out to a seafood dinner. I don't know because seafood's expensive. You know why? Because it's good. And, and I don't know if I can if I can trust you with a seafood dinner. I'm scared of you being like, come out my nose. Oh, you're going to eat it because that's the kind of guy you are. But you're going to be like, <laughs> I can't wait till he goes to the restroom because I really got to like throw some of this away. That would never happen. All right. Well, I'm sure the Devil's Anus has some nice seafood restaurants, so we'll we'll check one of those out. Uh, Rudy, good to see you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Podbean, but you can find us everywhere else. Uh, whatever. Get over yourselves. Get over us. Everybody, get over it. <laughs> We got more coming next week, and uh, welcome to the baseball season.